because I knew of my, you know, less than traditional path or what have you, I've always had that kind of chip on my shoulder of proving myself. Um, and it's an internal thing of, hey, you don't think I can do this? Yeah, I can. Not only can I do it, I'm going to do it better than you've ever seen it done. I'm George Comedy, and this is First Watch. Today's guest is Rebecca Skeet, security engineer at Shellman and chief operations officer at Black Girls Hack. After Black Hat, a mutual friend told me I had to hear Rebecca's story, and it is indeed incredible. From parking lot attendant for the Texas Rangers, to the mailroom, or the side hustle and political campaign management, to the IT help desk and beyond, Rebecca's path, like so many I've spoken to, is unconventional. But a few principles stand out in her journey. Do the job with excellence, be curious, and be willing to learn, and when the time comes, shoot your shot. There's no time to waste, so let's get into it. Rebecca Skeet, welcome to First Watch. Thank you. So glad to be here. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thank you for the time. Um, I want to start in the most obvious place, uh, which is with your journey into cybersecurity. It is my understanding through a mutual friend of ours that it was very worth the telling. And so (laughs) I want to share it with our listeners. Okay. Um, So this is the third time I'm kind of like going into the spiel uh, this week. So I'm going to try to keep it interesting just in case someone listened at each um, opportunity. So it's the same story because it's still me, but hopefully at least the uh, relaying of it will be interesting. Um, So yeah, my name is Rebecca Skeet. Um, I was born one of nine children. Um, It's a whole bevy of us. And Growing up, I used to talk a lot, and truthfully, I still do, Um, but it was pointed out when I was younger that uh, I would make a good lawyer. Someone made that uh, recommendation. They were like, hey, you know, as much as you talk and as opinionated as you are, Hmm. you should be a lawyer. And I was like, okay, um, I like that. Lawyers look cool. At that time, my representation for a lawyer was um, Claire Huxtable, and she was pretty awesome. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Good good role model. Right? I was like, I could do that. I'll be that. Um, living a brownstone and whatnot. I was already living in New York. Um, so that was the goal. That was the plan. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to uh, graduate high school when I was 16. I was like, I'm going to go to uh college. I'm going to be a political science major. I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to change the world, man. (laughs) One case at a time. Had it all mapped out. Yeah. Had it all mapped out. But as anyone who grew up using a Mapsco or an Atlas, (laughs) that is no longer the case, right? (laughs) A couple zigs and zags. And I didn't end up going to law school. I majored in history in college, which I thought was still kind of on the track. Um, But then And I took the LSAT. So like I was still on track, but Mm, then er, screech, you know, (laughs) didn't go. Um, I ended up when I came home uh, from school, I went to West Texas A&M. Yeehaw. Um, And uh, my sister is a chiropractor and uh, Mm. she has her she had just started her own uh, chiropractic clinic and uh, found out that she was with child. So while she was, you know. Uh, minimizing the word I was using, I guess her hours. I kind of volunteered to be her chiropractic assistant, um, did everything in the office, tried to help with billing, um, clean the office when people weren't there, Hmm. uh, you know, everything that she could possibly need, um, I availed myself to do. And then uh, when she had the baby and then came back into the office, we kind of like tag switched out and I stayed home with uh, her daughter to help, you know, kind of put her at ease that she can go back and work um, in the clinic and not worry about who was watching, you know, her child and she could trust them with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was that. And I was excited about it and good because, hey, why not? Right. This is the next generation. I'm changing the world this way. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But then I got as, you know, many people who stay home uh, with young children can attest to a little bit of cabin fever. And I was like, I would like to speak (laughs) to adults (laughs) a little bit. And um, 
So I looked at the paper in the paper and uh, which is funny because now I feel like that's such an old person thing to say. Well, I was reading the paper and I saw that there was a job fair, um, but that's what happened. Uh, There's a job fair for the Texas Rangers uh, baseball team. And I was like, okay, I can do this. So it'll be part-time. Um, that way I can still help out and, mm-hmm. you know, make some money and have some activity. So um, I applied to do that. Um, went to the fair. I saw there were a, a plethora of options. And I picked a um, parking attendant. Well, actually, I picked a tour guide uh, because it was recommended to me. I chose tour guide because, again, as I said, I speak a lot, right? And I was like, this is ideal. Um, I'm a history major. I like knowing mm-hmm. things. I like knowing how things, you know, the history of things. And I like to talk and I like to interact. So this would be perfect. And someone was like, well, if your goal is to, you know, get as many shifts as possible and possibly make more money, you should be a parking attendant instead of the tour guide. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that'll work. So anyway, I switched to parking attendant or a toll attendant specifically, because that's the person who takes the money. So I made like 25 cents more. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And hey, those 25, 50 cents, it adds up, I tell you. So I worked the parking lot and um, I committed to like, hey, anything, my mom always raised us to believe and to um, carry ourselves that anything that you do, you do to the best of your ability. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. If you are doing it, it should be, you're representing yourself. You're representing the family. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's uh, there's pride in that. There's also weight in that. Uh, but thankfully, I, I, I more often than not dealt with the positive side of that, of wanting to give the best of myself because I knew that it represented more than me. Um, so parking attendant, uh, total attendant, people come to buy a ticket. Hey, welcome to the ballpark. You know, happy to have mm-hmm. you here. Uh, I started to recognize people. They're like, hey, I saw you at the game the other day. Hope you had a good time. Yeah. Oh, how's your son doing? Like, I started conversing with people and everything else. Um, and then, so I started in like a lot, which is the, now I guess if you were to go by the ballpark, it's completely different, but it's the one that kind of shares the parking lot with, um, the baseball field and Cowboys, um, uh, oh. ATT Cowboys Stadium. So, the middle of it felt like the middle of nowhere at the time. They've since built up around there. Um, and there are cars on either side, super hot and Texas heat. Um, almost passed out that first year, and I was like, mm, I don't think I'm gonna do this anymore. <laughs> but then, um, I did end up coming back the next year, and that was the the first year that the Rangers went to the World Series. And so I always tell people, hey, you know who the Rangers have to thank? Yes, John Daniels, because he put together a good uh, (laughs) prospect (laughs) class and all that jazz. But also me, because (laughs) that was the year that they moved me to the VIP parking lot. I was high-fiving folks. I was cheering people on. I like to think that I had a small part in their success. Um, Anyway, say all that to say... um, that, that was the beginning uh, experience, I guess, with my um, Ranger career. I started as a seasonal employee. So kind of uh, concurrent to this, um, I was speaking with a college friend of mine and her mom uh, had reached out and wanted to speak to me because she had decided that she was going to run for office. And mm. um, she asked me to be her campaign manager. And I was like, um, I'm honored. I truly am. Thank you. But I've never done this before. And you should probably, you know, have someone who has some history, some experience or what have you. And she said, well, I've never run for office before, so we can learn together. And it's a good attitude that still. Yes. Fantastic. And I still um, appreciate and value her to this day. One, because we're still in contact, but two, for that mindset of too often, I'm the first person to tell myself no, instead of trying. Mm. Um, I know we'll get to Black Girls Tech a little bit later, but Tanisha Martin, one of the things, I guess our motto for this year has been shoot your shot, shoot all shots, you know? Yeah. And uh, oftentimes we get in our own way. And so we don't have to worry about anyone else blocking the shot if we never take it. Um, So that was like one of many signs, but a big one as far as my career path of hey, don't discredit yourself. You still have things of value or whatever, and you can be an asset. So anyway, um, we started on the journey and I was her campaign manager. It was pretty awesome experience. Got to, you know, be active in the community. It helped that she was someone who uh, cared about the position and the people and was genuine. I feel like 
it's hard for people in any position when they're first uh, or any field when their first role is with someone who's cynical or disheartened mm-hmm. or whatever else. It's hard to be passionate about something. Um, but I'm very blessed, lucky, whichever one you ascribe to, that I was partnered with people who care who cared about what they were doing, who cared about the people they were doing it for, they were doing it with. And um, I feel like that helped encourage me along the way. You know, sometimes the the light gets dim, you have a fire blazing, but the vicissitudes of life <laughs> or whatever it is will push and pull you and wear you down. And it helps along that way if you have people who you can borrow some of their flame, you know? And um, anyway, so... Uh, we worked the campaign. Um, she lost, <laughs> and no reflection on the campaign know, hindsight, manager. <laughs> yeah, no reflection on the campaign manager. In hindsight, we can look back in it and be like, "Yeah, it's okay," because she is in office now, and she has won more elections than she has lost. Mm-hmm. So I have the benefit of looking back at it now and saying, "Like, yeah, but you know, that positioned us to, for her to have brand name recognition and this and the other and I can see all the positive things in the moment all I felt was failure here it was mm-hmm. someone who I believe in who believed in me and I let her down um mm-hmm. and so I took it personally in that you know okay I thought I was going to be a lawyer no okay uh well let me be this campaign manager well you suck at it <laughs> <laughs> and it's not necessarily that I did but you know when you're experiencing those things, those are the thoughts that, and, and I can't speak for everyone, but those are the thoughts that ran through my mind. Yeah. Um, people were constantly telling me how smart I was, how gifted I am, and mm. uh, how skilled, and this is that and the other. But the reality of what I was seeing was completely contrary to what I was being told. Um, but then, so I kind of wallowed in that for a little bit. Um, still went back to work with the Rangers, whatever, was still working there. And so uh, in 2016, she decided to run again, this time for a a bigger office. She was like, you know, a lot of people have been reaching out and saying they've seen the positive things we've done. They've seen us in the community. This is any other. We were getting a whole lot of positive feedback after the fact. And uh, so she was like, I think we should build on this momentum. And besides, the guy that I'm running against pissed me off and I really wanted to lose. (laughs) And I was like, well, that's a good reason. Um, And so I was like, okay. Um, are you sure you want to stick with me? Because we didn't win last time. And, and she was like, yes. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a good partnership that we had. She was like, I can trust you. And um, I was like, okay. Uh, so I mean, at that time, yeah, let me just catch you up there just for one second. I mean, that does speak to, um, yeah. you know, the people you surround yourself with, right? And so even if you have these right. sort of quote unquote objective measures, you won or you lost, having that trust mm-hmm. and having that relationship, you know, this is true in business as well is, is the more vital right. and, um, the stronger feeder of the flame as it were, right. You could, you could go and yeah. hire the winner quote unquote, but if you don't get along, it's, it's going to be a lot of friction. Yeah, true enough. And I wanted the best for her, um, genuinely and thoroughly. And because I know that she wanted the best for the people she was running to represent, mm-hmm. um, so if nothing else, I knew that no one else would care as much about her and her mission as I did. Uh, so if nothing else, I brought that to the table. Um, and so for with the Rangers and everything, I was like, OK, well, what can I do? Because, you know, she we're fundraising and things and trying mm-hmm. to get money for the campaign and stuff. But it would be for the campaign, not to pay me, um, not to say that she wasn't trying to pay me, but because I did not. I wasn't trying to draw a paycheck. It wasn't for that uh, end. So um, I saw that the Rangers were hiring for the mailroom position. And so I was like, okay. And it it was uh, half days. It wasn't a full thing. So I was like, this is ideal. I can work in the mailroom in the morning and then campaign at night. Um, This would be perfect. So I go, I apply for the job and uh, I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, failure. What is thy name? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the person in HR, she told me it wasn't because like, oh, I'm giving it to someone else. But at that time, the position was no longer available. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, why did I interview? And Mm. she said, well, um, she said there are however many, almost a thousand seasonal employees. Um, She said, but I know your name. 
Uh, speak, people speak well of you. You're always working hard and this and the other. And so I wanted to have a conversation with you to see, you know, what you were about, what your goals were and everything else. And so I was like, okay, well, that's something, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and speaks so, to the excellence, right? If you perform at that high level. Right. You know, if you, right. if you were so just that, like calling it in, in the parking lot, then no one says your name and she right. doesn't hear it. So. And even then, that's fine. You know, like how now uh, the whole quiet quitting thing is all the rage mm -hmm. and people are like, you should title it something else or whatever else. Right, wrong, or indifferent. I feel like people have the right that if they come, to, they, they're hired to do a job and they come to do the job and they just do that and leave, that is A-OK. -okay. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. For sure. If their only goal is to do the job and leave, then do the job and leave. That's fantastic. My goal was, I did, uh, the that position at the time wasn't my end goal. I had higher, uh, I had other things in mind. And so what I was doing was with those other things in mind, I guess, if that uh, makes sense. Like it was like, well, I guess there's a caveat to that. I almost talked out of my own self. So <laughs> regardless of, you should always do well, regardless of what you do. And that's, you know, fine. But I also knew that when I made that decision, hey, I want to be full time here, um, which was 2011 when we went to World Series again, um, I was like, you know what, I wouldn't mind being full time um, with the Rangers. Now, the politics and everything, I was like, that could still work. Um, and maybe it was informed a little bit by the outcome. Um, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, experiences don't inform um, the actions and decisions you make. Uh, mm -hmm. The 2016 election was very uh, draining. Um, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, elections themselves require yeah. a lot. Um, but that one took a lot out of me. And I was a little disillusioned with um, not my candidate, but with the people who said they wanted XYZ or whatever else, not enough of them voted. <laughs> and I was like, right. okay, well, yeah. again, you know, with the, Thing, doing, working hard and doing what you feel is right and then having an outcome that is contrary to what you put into it mm -hmm. is disillusioning and disheartening. And anyway, so um, mailroom job, it was around my uh, birthday and I told her, I was like, hey, you know, thanks for interviewing me. Um, glad this went well. I guess at least you know that uh, I'm a hard worker and I'm someone that you would hire should the position, uh, another position present itself or what have you. She said, okay. I said, you know, feel free to stop by because I had a suite at the, the ballpark for my birthday. I wanted, mm, this is back nice. when we used to do paper ballots nice. for All-Star and they pulled, uh, it was a drawing and they pulled the paper ballot that myself and uh, some of my, at that point I had been promoted from parking attend toll attendant to valet supervisor and so myself and some of my valet drivers were punching the tickets and we won anyway um wow. so that was another thing too being valet supervisor um uh, i couldn't drive a stick and i was like i probably should like <laughs> since <laughs> my uh drivers are being expected to do things so i bought one and taught myself um i was like if this is my only mm. mode of transportation it's gonna force me to learn um so I did. And that's kind of <laughs> um, some foreshadowing for my IT career in that yeah, I, I didn't know say, how to do something. And then, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she came and was like, hey, you know what? Um, she came to the suite the for my birthday and was like, how do these how do these days and hours look for you? And I was like, uh, they look OK. And she was like, OK, well, you have the job. And I was like, what? That would happen. <laughs> <laughs> so right after I had interviewed with her, um, one of the two gentlemen that were in there had put in his two weeks. I can't remember what the reason was, but anyway, it just, it was pretty fortuitous for me that it was like the same day or like the day after and um, he resigned. So she was like, okay, you can have the mailroom position. And so I was like, huzzah. And <laughs> I tell people, I was like, you know, Obviously, people get super excited and they celebrate when they're the the big yeses. Like you see on LinkedIn, I just started with Google. Uh, I'm KPMG, <laughs> right, 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 right. just brought me in. <laughs> and I'm over here like, bruh, I got a job in the mailroom. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just, I was excited because it was 
a yes in the direction of what I wanted. You know, it's like, I don't mind. And I think that's also a, um, a mis- not misunderstanding, but there are a lot of people who are willing to do the work, who will work their way up, who mm-hmm. will earn their stripes and whatever the heck else, whatever other term or idiom people want to use for that. It's just a matter of getting the opportunity. Um, yeah. And that's what I saw it as, like a door opening. And that almost made me surprisingly emotional just now. <laughs> but it was like, you know, when you when you try and you try, and even the small things, and it's like, hey, I'm not even asking for a seat at the table necessarily. Can I just get in the room? You know, yeah. <laughs> I'll stand yeah, in the 100%. bag. I'll do what I need to do. Just, just let me in. Um, and so anyway, that's how I saw that. And um, I was excited about it. And uh spoke with everyone along the mail route, made, you know, had conversations. So what does your job look like? What do you do? Um, Mm -hmm. What does this look like? And uh, just so I could kind of get an idea of, because prior to the um, HR representative had asked me, you know, do you want to be full-time with the Rangers? And I said, yeah. She asked me, what, uh, what would I want to do? And I didn't know. (laughs) I was like, I just know I would want to be full-time with the organization because I knew in 2010 when, um, they went to the World Series. They flew everyone out there. They, mm-hmm. uh, everyone who uh, was full time got an ALCS ring and everything else. I was like, I just want to be full time. I want my ring. <laughs> I don't know what the position is yet. So um, that that was part of the impetus behind getting the mailroom role that I could interact with every facet of the organization and see what appealed to me and um, where I would go from there. So. Uh, I did that, spoke with everyone, and I thought I was going to be in community outreach or player relations or something of the like, uh, because that kind of went hand in hand with the work I was doing, working campaigns. And it didn't work out. (laughs) I was like, okay, uh, another pivot. I became friends with the uh, manager of IT, Applications and Operations, and uh, we would just talk about mutually interesting things and nerd out about different things. And then eventually a position presented itself for uh, a role that reported to him. It was the coordinator of IT customer service. And so um, he said, hey, are you going to apply? And I was like, "Uh, no, (laughs) Hmm. IT was never the goal. I don't, what do I know about IT? Um, Granted, I feel like uh, I'll, a pause for the cause. Whenever I tell my friends and anyone stories, I always take the scenic route. I'm like, oh, look at the pretty little trees. Look at the cows or whatever mm-hmm. else. And sometimes people like get to the point. So um, I'll say that to say there are plenty of other positions that I applied for and didn't get in the meantime and just kept working in the mean, uh, kept working along and then eventually got to the mailroom. Uh, so um, he said, yeah, you should apply. And I said, well, I don't know. Um, at this point, I was already looking for positions anywhere else. I was looking for anything at that point. I was like, look, um, the mailroom pay is not enough to like <laughs> live any kind of hot girl life. And <laughs> I would much appreciate um, elevating or increasing my level of income. So I was looking for any place for a full, uh, full-time position. And uh, so I was like, well, I guess it won't hurt for me to at least try. If you're who I'll be reporting to and you think that I can do it. so." Um, scheduled a meeting with the VP of the uh, department and um, sit down with him. And he says, hey, so um, it's a customer service position. And I heard you're the person to talk to. And I was like, okay, you heard. People have been talking. Fantastic. This is going in the right direction. Um, And so I was like, well, what is the position? What would I be required to do? Because I don't want to in any way misrepresent myself. Um, While I am confident in that, you know, I'm teachable, I'm adaptable. I can do all those things. I also don't want to bite off more than I can chew. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so he kind of laid out what the role would look like. And um, I was like, okay, I I do feel confident. I can do that. And he said, okay. And I said, but just to be for, for me to warn you, I don't really have much of a technical background. Um, mm-hmm. I said, customer service? Yeah, that's my bread and butter. Ever since I could work, I've been doing some customer service position in some capacity. Um, I mean, even greeting people in the parking lot is exactly. some level of customer service. Exactly. Right? Um, and so I said, so that part I can do. Uh, and he said, uh, he said, well, 
what you have are the skills that you can't teach that are hard to teach and um, everything else we can teach you as long as you're willing to learn. Um, and so I was like, yeah, that's a bit, <laughs> I can do that. So I got the position and I started there. Um, I would, whenever uh, an issue would come in, I would ask whoever was working on it to make sure they put notes that I could understand in the mm -hmm. tickets. Um, I would read everyone before I closed them. And then, you know, start to see some familiarity, some patterns or whatever else. I also started watching the IT crowd, um, <laughs> which is a small thing, but yep. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, but um, so, you know, he's like, have you taken it off and put it back on again? And his little accent, that's horrible. But anyway, um, <laughs> but essentially, that's the thing. You know, often if you listen and pay attention, there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, continuity and while it might not be, you know how people say history repeats itself? Uh, mm -hmm. In college, I had a professor who said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Um, mm, and I feel like a lot of the incidents and things that we would come up with, they rhymed. So while they weren't the exact same situation, it was similar enough to what I had read and seen that I could start to put things together on my own. And so and I, and thankfully I, I had... That even, even in this, just this short interview so far, I mean, what rhymes to me is that mm -hmm. you apply your energy and that is seen by others. And then you demonstrate um, a curiosity and a willingness to mm -hmm. say yes. And as that guy, the hiring manager said, like, some things can be taught. And if they recognize the things that can't or that would take them an inordinately long time to try and train, you know, they'll mm -hmm. go that first so i i feel right. like there's a lot of steps that it, it sounds like a discursive journey into mm -hmm. to it but i think there's some signposts along the way that that are very familiar i agree with that wholeheartedly uh and it was fun and i've definitely benefited from being surrounded by people who seem to be as equally invested in my success as i was um they're like the desktop engineer, Greg, he's fantastic, super smart, been with the organization mm -hmm. for 20 years at that time. It's very easy for people who are quote unquote old heads or, you know, had been mm -hmm. there for a while to be kind of set in their ways and standoffish or whatever. But anytime I had a question, he was excited to answer it. Um, he'd be like, come with me, let me show you how I'm doing this or what have you. And so I don't take for granted that I was the benefit. Uh, I benefited from that. Um, whenever so I asked... And so where is the moment in this time? So as you, you know, wind your way into IT and you're learning, what's that like light bulb moment where you feel like, you know, this is not just the job, but this is something I want to invest more time, you know, be gaining expertise in like, what's that light bulb moment where you feel that pull into the, into the discipline? I think maybe like a couple months in, being, you know, for the fact that I didn't know everything and I was mm -hmm. trying to learn, that's how I interacted with people. So if they had a question, I'd be like, oh, I understand. This is why you probably thought this, but this is how you do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't, at least I tried not to be condescending in my uh, response and my help so that people would then seek me out for help. If they had a question, even if it was the smallest thing, uh, my battery seems to run down lower than it normally does. Uh, mm. Or, you know, just something simple that they uh, would feel like if they had opened a ticket or if they had asked someone else, and this is in no way um, a reflection on the other people in the department, um, but in other experiences that they have had with IT uh, professionals, they would feel as though they were being spoken down to or, mm -hmm. you know, um, people were being rude. And so for the fact that I could connect with someone and then help them, and they were more open and likely to receive my help because they knew that I was excited to offer it. That was exciting for me. Um, the whole thing of customer service is to, you know, serve the customer, to help the person. That has been my life mission from like, <laughs> from childhood to help and to make someone's life and situation better. So the fact that I get to figure things out. I get to be Nancy Drew, get to the bottom of an issue. I get to troubleshoot, you know, and then make someone's life better. This is something that's been bothering me for forever. Oh, you know, if you set up a rule in your outlook, this can help you. Oh, what? And it's a seemingly small thing, but I'm able to use technology to improve either 
make their current work process or workflow more efficient or expose them to something that they had no idea about, that makes me happy. Um, I mean, I, I have heard it is worth noting that that echoes something that I've heard from a lot of successful security leaders, which is they feel that the rest of the organization is a customer like they've positioned that in their mind as a customer rather than you know we manage the risk or whatever but it, they found that if they can just tell themselves the rest of the organization is our customer it completely right. reframes the relationship and how they come to negotiate over risk management and things like that so i mean this is this is of the because same when you think about it who doesn't want we all have issues problems whatever some of them on various scales right <clears throat> most of us would like answers to those. We want <laughs> solutions, <laughs> yes. right? And so if we position ourselves to be the answer, then it's like, hey, I, I want to help you. People are more open to interacting with you when they see, especially if it's genuine. Some people are like, yeah, I want to help you, but it's not really. It's just, <laughs> I want to help you because I think that you can help me. Um, mm -hmm. When it's, I genuinely it makes me happy when I can come to a solution. One, just for the fact that I figured it out, that's where I get my joy. So I'm already happy because I figured it out. Yep. Um, but then if I can help you and make things better, then it's a win-win because you then get your help and I get the joy from helping you. Um, and that's, I, that's, that's been the main thing of, at least for when an IT became a, hey, this is it. And then I, would, I went to a conference and, um, People were, it, I don't know, it felt like my tribe in that <laughs> um, I'm a little bit of a nerd and I like dressing comfortably. I'll wear my little graphic tee and, you know, my, my, ba my baseball cap. Most of us are wearing baseball caps right now. It's small, but it's, it's good to feel um, when you're doing the thing that makes you happy and then you find other people who are doing the thing too. Um, I don't know. It's. Well, you it said about clicked. getting, you said about either sitting at the table or just getting into the room. And if you get into mm -hmm. that room and then you see that the tribe looks like you, mm -hmm. talks like you, jokes like you, I mean, that is a, that is that sense of human belonging that everyone wants. Right. Exactly that. And then. And so, and so, sorry, let me, of all the domains in cyber, what's mm -hmm. that transition from, you know, IT help desk into security engineering, which is you know, even yet more technical. Yes. So uh, like I said earlier about anything you do, anything that I do, I want to be the best at it. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to learn. I want to, um, I want to continue to grow. I don't want to be complacent. Um, and, and I don't mean to imply that if anyone finds their groove and stays there, that that's complacency but they found their groove. I think there are some things I can find a place and sit and be comfortable and that's fine and it's good while I'm there. But mm -hmm. then there's a yearning to learn more and to do more. And so I think it becomes complacency when that person has the yearning to do more and then they don't. Mm -hmm. um, so I, when I started in IT, I was like, okay, this is super cool. And then learning about one thing would make me think about another. Then I started listening to podcasts. I found the Cyberwire, and I was like, "Man, this is super cool." Also scary, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> um, and it's probably how so we all like, feel: a little right? bit scary, a little bit exciting. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I like getting to the bottom of a thing. I like designing something. I like working on it. I like tinkering. Um, I like part being part of the whole solution and I don't know. I like getting my hands dirty. You know, there mm -hmm. are people who like cars. There are the people who like them. Cause like, Ooh, that car looks cool. Right. Um, you're just impressed by, uh, the aesthetic of it, which is cool. Um, then there are people who like driving the car, like, Hey, mm -hmm. um, I don't know what, what the engine is made of or whatever else. I just know I can go fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> shake and bake ricky bobby that's all i need <laughs> um and then there are the people who are like hey if i do this this, that, and the other i can mess with the exhaust and i can do this and this could help the car go even faster yep. and i think there's value in all levels of those and uh as far as cyber goes i like being the person that hey 
<laughs> did you see how much extra horsepower you got? Because it's because I did this. I put this <laughs> mod in there. Um, That's a great and analogy. So, oh, thank you. Um, I recently, I went to my first uh, NASCAR race this year and I'm still pretty excited about it. <laughs> and so I had cars <laughs> on the mind. Um, but yeah, so as it stands, that that's what makes me happy. I like working under the hood. Um, I like, I like, I like it. <laughs> um, yeah. I've had so, different roles. So I, oh, go ahead. I want, I want to dig in there. So like when we met at Black Hat, you told me that it was uh, very important in your current role that you were, you were being seen as an engineer. And that word really stuck with me. I've been thinking about it ever since really. So I did want to give you some the space to kind of explore that a bit. Like mm -hmm. what, what is that, that value of being seen or can you speak to that experience of being seen as a security engineer? So I guess I'll say that part of it is on me mm. um, in that because I knew of my, you know, less than traditional path or what have you, I've always had that kind of chip on my shoulder of proving myself. Mm -hmm. um, and it's an internal thing of, hey, you don't think I can do this? Yeah, I can. Not only can I do it, I'm going to do it better than you've ever seen it done. And for the the start of my career, that was ideal because that's what had me, you know, taking classes after work. That's what had me mm -hmm. reading and listening and doing any and everything that I could to learn and to be good. Um, the thing about that is <laughs> at some point I got the job, right? I, I, First, I went, you know, after the mailroom, uh, after a coordinator of IT, I became junior cybersecurity analyst. The My boss saw the work that I was doing and was like, yes, here is this title. And I still was like, well, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm qualified and I've earned this because I've put in the work. But then in the back of my mind, in some of the interactions that I would have with people, I'm like, they still see me as, you know, mailroom mm -hmm. Rebecca or coordinator or whatever. And there has been maybe one or two experiences that confirm that, but I was giving more credit to the one or two experiences than the 10 or 20 <laughs> that uh, was that validated. Exactly. Um, and so there is, there's a value in imposter syndrome in that I feel like, Sometimes it keeps us humble <laughs> and um, I don't have to worry about getting too big for my britches because because <laughs> I, I, I don't and I don't have to worry about resting on my laurels because I don't feel like I have any laurels to rest on. You know, um, there, there's that hunger and thrive to keep striving and to keep proving myself. And then the downside of it is, hey, you're here now. You can breathe a little bit, you know, um, and so. That was the internal struggle with me. Uh, so then, like I said, so there was one or two experiences. There was one call that I had and um, we we're doing some uh, work on the exchange server or what have you. And it was a professional services uh, hiring person or whatever. And um, I joined the call and I said, hey, you know, anything that you need me to get ready before we get started? And he was like, no, I mean, this is a technical call. So we're just waiting for whoever's going to be my contact or whatever. And I was like, uh, yeah, that, that's going to be me. And he was like, oh, you're the technical contact? Like, that's how he said it. And I was like, yeah. Um, and so <laughs> it, it's, I gave too much, too much credit to the negative and not enough to the positive. Um, and so one of the things that was, I, when I was, I actually was, I'm at Falcon right now and I met this gentleman and I was talking about the Rangers experience, whatever, cause he's a baseball fan. And he was like, it sounds ideal for you working with sports. Um, why would you ever leave? And I said, well, I did have a fantastic, uh, time and, um, definitely appreciative of the opportunities that I was given, but I reached a point to where my ambition outpaced my opportunity and, uh -huh. um, moved on. So, the benefit was uh, twofold. One, or I guess it's multifold. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's like a brochure. It's a couple folds. Uh, being hired on here, no one saw me as, and at least 
in, and in my mind, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. you know, give it the benefit of the doubt to say that maybe no one was thinking that before, but I was thinking that other people were thinking it. So whatever. Um, with the where I am now with Shellman, I started as a information security analyst in the compliance um, business unit. And that's what people saw me as. That's what the, that's how yep. they know me. And so it was easier for me to be in that mindset. Like, yes, you see this because this is what I am, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you and, come in without that history, so people can't, right. you know, weaponize that history against you. Right. Then, and then whenever it comes up in conversation or what have you, it's not seen as a, oh, you were one of those. It was a, hey, <laughs> look at you, <laughs> you know, like you did XYZ. Uh, so I, what I love about this uh, current company that I'm with, Shellman, is their dedication to um the exact same thing that inspired me to get to where I am. It's the learning, teaching, being adaptable. Like, hey, what are you doing to increase your professional growth? Is there a cert that you want? Okay, here's some um, resources that we have to help you study for it. Do you want to have some speaking engagements? Let us know. We will, you know, put you in the position to do that. And I think what's um, beneficial is like, you know, when a baby is a baby and they have milk, that's good for them. That's what they're supposed to have in that time. And it's healthy and it helps them grow. Um, but then at some time, you know, you elevate into, okay, now this is what your diet should be. And I think that's beneficial for the same is true for careers in that sometimes, you know, people get so comfortable and they're like, but this has been good for me. So let me stay mm-hmm. here. Let me, mm-hmm. m- you know, milk it <laughs> for as long <laughs> as I can. Um, and the truth is, if you intend to grow, if you intend to go from baby to toddler to adult, um, you have to adjust your diet to accommodate that. And um, that's, I'm very grateful for the fact that all throughout my career, I have had, whether it was in the parking lot, whether it was at one point I was a a chauffeur. Um, I never actually got to drive a car. I got (laughs) registered (laughs) with like, did the whole thing with TSA and with the airports and all that jazz. And they made me a reservationist. They were like, oh, you sound good on the phone. That's neither here nor there. But um, all along the path, it was a matter of, um, okay, this growth is uncomfortable, but necessary. Um, this new thing is foreign, but helpful to get me to where I need to go. And so now, and I'm still growing and there's still things that I want to achieve, still things I want to do. Um, but it's a little bit easier to have that hindsight of looking back and seeing kind of like how, you know, what we were saying earlier about seeing the rhyming pattern along the way of always having a at least for me, I can't speak for anyone else because I'm not anyone else. For me, having that servant attitude of what can I do to help? How can I be of service? Um, has benefited me along the way. And that has kind of been the guiding factor of each position that I've taken. Um, when I wanted to be a lawyer, it's because I wanted to be an advocate. Uh, I wanted to be a voice for those who either felt that uh, they were voiceless or that their the volume wasn't being given to their voice. Um, so I think oftentimes we're speaking. I don't know if you've ever seen Police Academy. <laughs> um, oh, yes. <laughs> okay, so you remember the the cop? I can't remember her name, but she would whisper and she's like, hey, everybody, can you do whatever? <laughs> and people wouldn't listen. And then she's like, listen here, suck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they get angry. Um, I felt like I was called to be <laughs> the... Uh, the strong voice for that person who they were saying something all along. They had something of value to say. It's mm-hmm. just that people weren't paying attention. Um, and so well, I feel the same way. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. That is a perfect transition. It's like you wrote the interview for me. So you say <laughs> giving voice to the voiceless um, or being, you know, of service. So I, I do want to pivot in the time we have remaining to your other role. Mm-hmm. Um your your Batman alter ego as a uh, chief operating officer of Black Girls Hack. Mm-hmm. So this story, your story, uh, sounds very reminiscent of some of the stories I've heard of people trying to career change into cyber, mm-hmm. um, trying to be seen, trying to get their foot in the door. So I'm just curious how you're bringing that 
experience to bear, you know, do you feel like your experience is in dialogue with the, with the mission that you're trying to accomplish at black girls hack? Very much so. Um, I think what has been beneficial to me, the black girls hack has been, um, a gift to me personally. I have benefited from being part of the organization mm-hmm. uh, for the support, if nothing else. Um, knowing that when you have an experience and you feel gaslit, you feel mm. like, no way there's, am I the only one? This isn't right, right? And you're looking around <laughs> and you're like, anyone? Anyone? And there's no one to confirm that. Um, what I liked about when I first joined Black Girls Hack, and it was just because, hey, I'm new to cyber and I would like some friends <laughs> and mm-hmm. I want to learn or what have you. Um, in our Slack at the time, people was like, oh, and this was my experience. What? Me too. Or, <laughs> um, you know, just that uh, was beneficial to me. And it was like, you know how I said earlier, you know, being in the room and you see that people look like you. So it's one thing, it's one thing to be, so I like sports, right? It's one thing to find someone else that's another baseball fan. That's cool because mm-hmm. we can talk about uh, Grand Slams, walk off, whatever the heck. We talk about baseball. But then when you find someone who is on the same team, <laughs> like there's an mm-hmm. extra level of camaraderie yep. and partnership. Yep. Um, and that's what I feel like with Black Girls Hack. It's we're on the same team. And then that, I mean... We're, we have a same desired end. We're rooting for the same cause. Um, and not to say that we can't, you know, draft someone else and <laughs> we don't have various prospects, but um, now I'm going too far into the sports thing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like about Black Girls Hack. And so um, when I met with Tanisha, um, she scheduled a meeting with uh with my with me as a because I said I wanted to volunteer and so she said okay so what's your world domination plan and I was like I don't know like uh, pinky in the brain I want to take over the world I don't know what that's going to look like though but Mm -hmm. and she was like well think about it what you know what interests you how can we be of service to you and I was like of service to me look at that okay um and I had just finished reading the Phoenix Project and I was like, you know what? I think I want to be a COO because <clears throat> I think we ha- we need more C-level executives that see IT as a core competency mm. and, you know, see the value in the work that we do and understands it and supports it and that we're part of the strategy and not a, you know, afterthought. And she was like, okay, that does sound like you know what you want to do. And I was like, okay. Um, so she said, well, we have a director of operations position open. Um, you should do that. And I was like, uh, and then again, of the rhyming. This is kind of like when I first started campaigns, I was like, um, I don't have any experience in this. I don't know. And she was like, well, you will learn. (laughs) Look to see what, what, uh, here's the job description. Um, so you know, what's expected of you. And then that way you are getting the experience, um, in the meantime. So whenever that position for COO presents itself, you will have had experience. You won't have this time where you say to yourself, oh, well, I don't know if I can because I didn't X, Y, Z. She said, no, you're going to get the experience that you need so that you can believe in yourself to do it. Um, Which is kind of like the substratum of all of Black Girls Hack. That's what we want to do. We want to provide the resources, the training, and the opportunities so that we help remove the doubt in our own minds. Not even, you know, when we go out and we speak to employers and everything else, we'll say, yes, we have uh, qualified um, viable candidates for your organization. But as echoed or evidenced in my own life, sometimes we get in our own way. And so what Black Girls Hack seeks to do is encourage, build up, and train so that you have more evidence to the good and to the positive of your qualifications. than against. And that's why I absolutely love this organization in that it's good to have people who believe in you when you may not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then not just empty belief in like, yay, you can do it, but in a, no, seriously, you can do it. What can we do to help you be prepared to get it done? Um, And then, you know, if if that's uh, study groups, trainings, discounted vouchers uh, for uh, certifications, whatever it is that we can do to help prepare you is what 
we endeavor to do. And then once you get there, how can we support you so that you stay? Because there are a lot of people who get the positions, but because of the culture or the work environment or whatever, don't stay. Um, so we're trying to make it uh, a full um, full spectrum. Full spectrum. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and help you to get there, support you when you do, and then encourage you to go further. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like on Twitter, I um, added for my bio that um, my magnum opus is loading um, in that I still feel like there's yet for me to do. There's yet uh, for me to accomplish and achieve. Um, and I'm super grateful for uh Tanisha Martin with following her vision and starting Black Girls Hack, and then the board for eventually promoting me to COO, because if I can help other people get there um, or encourage them to stay there while they're there or inspire to go further, that that's the that's the ticket right there. That's um, that makes everything worth it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is a great place to end, Rebecca Skeet. I think you just claimed the title of feeder of the flame i think that's what that's <laughs> what like you're that. trying to do i like um, that um but yes i i thank you for the time i appreciate that you're at a conference and you're and you're dialing in from there and uh i'm sorry we couldn't do this in person but we had a really good reason why we couldn't um uh, we'll have more information on our partnership with black girls hack but thank you for sharing your story um and i hope that it is also inspiration because if anything that I've learned in all of these interviews is that we all have this conception of some kind of linear path into cyber and I mm -hmm. have yet to find one. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> everyone starts with like, well, I didn't take the traditional route. So I, I have yet to find the, the traditional route. Um, right. But yes, very much. Thank you for, for sharing the story and for this, uh, this mission that you're on. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Hopefully I didn't drone on for too long. <laughs> no, absolutely. It was a blast. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for First Watch today. Many thanks to my guest, Rebecca Skeet. To hear more interviews with leaders and more spotlight episodes featuring newcomers to cybersecurity, subscribe to First Watch wherever you get your podcasts. First Watch is a production of Safeguard Cyber with original music by Matthias Zaffaletti and production help from Jamil Moffey. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong.